Okay, good times, bad times. I just I, I I noticed that while I was editing those two short episodes that we popped up, both of them started in the intro with me saying I had a few Moscow mules before we recorded. Yeah, you didn't know that that was twice in a row? I noticed it. I was thinking, same thing as last week. I did not remember that it was the same thing as last week. So there's a lot of Moscow mules. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, after a week off, we uh, see see if we can see if it goes a little longer. Or I, I think we'll be okay. I don't think it'll be super long. Yeah, me neither. I, we don't have a lot. Yeah. Some good times. The CDC, uh, a CDC study links masks to fewer COVID deaths. Shocking. Do you think they could link the idiots to more COVID deaths? Yeah. I have, a, I have another story later that's similar to that in that I feel like we could lump them together in a segment called Stuff People Already Know. Yeah. The, the couple of states now have lifted their mask mandate. Texas yeah, and another... North Carolina, I think? Uh, I don't know. I doubt North Carolina... Maybe. I doubt it just because they have a Democratic governor. That's just my bias. I know Alabama won't extend theirs past the date when it ends right now. The crazy thing is, it feels like we're so close to the finish line. The vaccinations are rolling out. And in the States, they're actually doing a pretty decent job of it. Yeah. So why in the world would you stop now? You know, there's yeah. a there's this famous football play where a guy was, you know, he's running in for a touchdown and he starts celebrating and he holds the football out on about the five yard line and some guy from the other team catches him and knocks it out of his hand before he scores a touchdown. And it just <laughs> it, it feels like that. It's like it's as if you were doing the Tour de France and uh as you were approaching the final finish line you leaned forward and stuck a stick in the spokes of your bike wheel. Yeah. The QAnon conspiracy appears relatively unaffected after March 4th. Now, March 4th was the day they thought President Trump was going to be re-inaugurated. But I don't don't know why or how exactly. I didn't... I started to read it, and then I realized I don't care. uh, I don't know why this is important, but before... Because I have this story later, and I have a note uh, written down about it. Before, I think it was 1993, March 4th was Inauguration Day. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They moved so, it back. I don't know what... I think it might have been before. It might have been 1893. I don't think it was 1993. No, I thought it was more recent than that, yeah. but it doesn't matter. Um, no. It was something like that. But it's like, it's just an Inauguration Day. Like, there's nothing mystical about it. It's not like Christmas and like Jesus is going to come back because that's the important date. It's... Why would anything happen on March 4th? Because that was the original inauguration day, yeah. and it all like they're a lot like the cultists that predict, trying to predict the end of the world or whatever. You know, they just they just keep predicting days, and sooner or later, I mean, just you know, what is that? A thousand monkeys on a thousand typewriters will eventually write Shakespeare. Like sooner or later, you just keep guessing days. Yeah, something's going to happen on one of their days sooner or later. Yeah, and then I was reading something about how a lot of them have have a theory that all laws passed after the 14th Amendment was ratified in 1868 are illegitimate. That's a lot of laws. Oh, I don't know. Something about sovereign citizen movement. I don't even know what the 14th Amendment is. 
The 14th Amendment is no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the law. So I guess any law violates that first thing. Like that abridges the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States? Yeah, if you have any law, it abridges your privilege. Yeah, I guess they have something of an argument there. Yeah, it sounds like it. I can't believe that's... Who passed that amendment? Um, it says the states can't do it. It doesn't say federally yeah. you can't do it. So any, any state law is illegal. Federal laws are, are still solid. Yeah, there you go. I still what feel like... What did I say? I still feel like they're going to have a hard time carrying that through. Yeah. It actually, it's one of the most litigated parts of the Constitution, forming the basis for landmark Supreme Court decisions, such as Brown versus the Board of Education, Roe versus Wade, Bush versus Gore, and Obergefell versus Hodges, which is the same-sex marriage ruling. Right. So it seems like a lot of good things came out of it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter. Bad times. You got bad times? I do, I do have bad times. Um, I, I just have one, actually, and it's not really that bad of a time. But my news is so saturated, and I've gotten so many alerts, especially today, about stories about Harry and Meghan and drama at the palace and stuff. And that was the top stories on pretty much every uh, news section I looked at when I was looking for stuff like this. And I don't think I can stress enough how much I don't care. Yes, I'm with you on that. I, I like, do not care. Don't care. Yeah. At all. I don't care about the problems. I'm sorry that, you know, I'm sorry, Megan, that marrying a prince was <laughs> not, and then moving into Buckingham Palace wasn't the dream you thought it what was going to be. What were you, she watched too many Disney movies growing up, I yeah. guess. I'm, I'm sorry. They never Harry, sing. You were, they never sing. Yeah. The cutlery doesn't <laughs> sing. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Harry, that you are, you were born into one of the, few royal families left on this earth life sucks i guess you know yeah yeah shut up i don't care it's tough being born into that kind of money and yeah no it's not even but he's not even but the wealth of the taxpayers but the worth the worst is he's he's not the firstborn right so he's 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 essentially nothing yeah yeah and that can that can you know and the other big ultimate middle child syndrome it hasn't been as sort of blown up as this whole Harry and Meghan thing. Like, I don't see it everywhere. But the other story that I saw a few times that I just don't care about is uh, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian are getting a divorce. Yeah. The only shocking thing like, about that is it lasted so long. Yeah, really. Yeah, I, I just, there's these big stories and they like make the top of the news and I'm like, really? This is the most important thing to be talking about right now? Please. I get angry seeing it. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't care, nor should anybody else. Yeah. No, you're right. Anyway, that's my bad times. The fact that those are such big news stories. That's the worst. That's the worst thing happening in the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I noticed that there was uh, some protests last Saturday. In today's March seventh, so so Sunday, March seventh. So it would have been at the end of February, and in Alberta at the legislature, and I was just wondering if you were there. They were protesting uh, public health men- measures that were meant to curb the spread of COVID-19. No, that was all Calgarians. Oh, was it? 
Yeah. They do not want to wear their masks. <laughs> no, it's Calgary. Of course they don't. The only city more entitled than Calgary is Toronto. <laughs> yeah, but Toronto really is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on, a Virginia school district is dropping Read Across America Day, which celebrates Dr. Seuss. And I don't know, do we want to get into Dr. Seuss here? Did you have it somewhere else? Uh, no, I left it up to you. All right. So, yeah, so alleged that, uh, that some of his books contain racial undertones. And to me, this is the kind of stuff that really hurts Democrats. There's plenty of stuff that that is bad out there that you can get rid of. Okay. I feel like okay. this isn't the first pick. Here's the thing. Politicians had nothing to do with it. The Dr. Seuss Foundation voluntarily, with no prompting, decided to stop the publishing of those six books. With advice from a bunch of left-wing people. Yes, not politicians, but... Not politicians, but it doesn't have to be politicians. It's it's the left-wing. It is definitely the left-wing. Yes, uh, yes, uh, yes it is, but... First of all, Mulberry Street specifically, they actually, the the version you read was an edited version because the original one uh, contained a much more vulgar slur used for Asian people. And that was edited ages ago, long time ago, because it was so inappropriate. But a lot of the problems is they are not as much the words as there are racist drawings a lot of the books do have features like characters have a lot of features like it's not coincidental that were used in caricaturing racial minorities in the late 1800s early 1900s for example a lot of the depictions of black people in dr seuss books and these six resemble the sort of like caricatures that were drawn to compare black people to apes to suggest that they were a lower form of life than white people. And you can see a lot of those features within the drawings. And there was also in a f- some of them, I believe, I'm less positive about this, but I believe some racist caricatures of Jewish people with like the big hook nose and, you know, that kind of thing that's always been associated with the anti-Semitic movement. To be honest, most of his people aren't even people, right? Most of his yes. books, they aren't even people. Like, they're who's and whatever. Yeah, and that's why most of his books are fine. It's just the six of, like, the dozens of books that he's written. Dr. Seuss is being canceled. We're just being a little bit more culturally sensitive because we have learned, we've learned more since then. And I think we should be acting and setting a higher standard for ourselves. This article that I'm, I'm cruising through now said, in... And to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, a white man is shown using a whip on a man of color. In If I Ran the Zoo, a white boy holds a large gun while standing on the heads of three Asian men. Uh, And it also features two men from Africa who are shirtless, shoeless, and wearing grass skirts while holding an exotic animal. Seuss's body work has been called dehumanizing and degrading to black, indigenous, Jewish, and Muslim people and people of color. The Muppets, I don't know if you know, but the Muppets came out. The old Muppet show came out. Now, what the Muppets did was they put a disclaimer in front of everything that says this program includes negative descriptions and or mistreatment of of people or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, spark conversations to create more inclusive future together. And they put the show on in its entirety 
the way it was written. Yeah, maybe that's the way to go. But I mean, the to I mean, Dr. Seuss has published not in his children's books necessarily, but has published blatantly anti-black and anti-Semitic cartoons in which he depicted black people as monkeys and referred to them with the N-word. Other cartoons have featured sexist and racist depictions of Asian people. You know, you, you can say it was in the children's books. You just look at that and you might be able to say it's a coincidence or, you know, it was just the time or, you know, he wasn't necessarily racist, but he was. And he published some aggressively, you know, because he was a cartoonist outside of these books. And he published many purposefully and aggressively racist imagery. And then so the fact that you see it in the children's books, you know, I, I find it hard to dismiss as like, oh, it's nothing. So maybe you can make the argument that you put a disclaimer in front. But, you know, somebody who's watching the Muppet show, you're probably an adult. You know, maybe maybe you're going and maybe the kids are coming in and and whatever. But but it's a, a, a children's book and. At the very least, I understand why they maybe want to pull it out of school libraries and public libraries and such like that. And maybe you put a disclaimer in front of it. And if parents want to read it to their kids and explain like the, the context, sure. But I mean, the reaction to it, the conservative reaction to it, they're making a way bigger deal of it than it is. Yeah, I would agree with that. They're, they're definitely making a bigger deal of it than it probably is. You have a, you have a wisp of gray? No. Oh, looks like it on this picture. <laughs> like right in the front there what's going on i have blue oh you dyed your hair blue some of it oh well for for work for school or for fun i was bored i was bored and you just bored had some it. blue dye no i bought some blue dye oh okay so it's a wisp of blue no there's quite a bit of blue throughout the camera just isn't showing it very well oh okay cool well moving on this is my favorite story of the past two weeks <laughs> When this happened, I was amazed. I, I, I want to go in saying that, you know, before we know, this is a story where Stephen Colbert has a segment where just so, like he's, he starts the story like, just so you know, everyone is OK. And this is a story to start where just so you know, everyone is OK. And I knew this, uh, like I, I made sure of this when I had the story. And then once I made sure everyone was OK, that was the funniest thing. I couldn't stop laughing. And I told my roommates and they thought it was so funny too. And I don't know why I thought it was so funny. But I do. You've built it up Continue. now. I'm not sure it's that good. But anyway, Lady Gaga's dog walker was shot. And two of her dogs were stolen. <laughs> are the dogs okay? The dogs are fine. They've been returned. They're good. Oh, they got returned? Fine. Yeah. For just, a ransom? No, two lady, two a lady just returned them, and the police determined that she was unrelated. She just kind of found them. So, what was the point of the shooting? I don't know. Or he just got so Could much attention. Imagine? These dogs are too hot. Just drop them off. <laughs> Could I, you imagine, like you just Lady Gaga's dog walker? Like, what a low profile do job, and then somebody just runs up and shoots you. Like, what the hell? Or it could have been like, hey, are those uh, are those Lady Gaga's dogs? Yeah. Bang! Yeah. <laughs> like who? Why? That's the thing. Like why? Why did this I'm assuming? Do this? I'm assuming it was ransom, and then it got way too much news, so <laughs> they just let the dogs go. I didn't. Re I didn't realize they'd let the dogs go yet. Uh, that's good. No, no, the dogs return like next day. Are they? The, are she sure they're the same dogs? Maybe they've been. Uh, maybe they've I been. Guess. Maybe they've been changed. Maybe they've been. Put a tracker on it so somebody knows where Lady Gaga is, or her dog walker. <laughs> the thing is, I I I 
I was debating flying down to Los Angeles to look for those dogs because Lady Gaga offered a $500,000 reward, no questions asked. Wow. For their return. I was like, I spend what? A, a grand on Except for you flight can't, ticket to Los Angeles? Then, but then you have to quarantine for two weeks. It's California. No one cares. In California, it's a state where they do care, isn't it? Ah. It's, it's hit and miss. Hit and miss. <laughs> anyway. And... Disney workers have allegedly experienced harassment, been spit on, and been subject to degrading comments for enforcing the COVID-19 safety guidelines the company has put in place amid the pandemic. Now, I thought this was meant to be the happiest place on Earth. What is going on here? (laughs) Disney World's the happiest place on Earth. Disneyland's second. This is Disney World. No, it's Disneyland. Disney World workers. Oh, well, then we're talking about different things, because... I was talking about Disneyland when I said they just got clearance to reopen. Okay, but that's, yeah, so maybe I'm sure they haven't, if they just got clearance to reopen, then they probably haven't spit on yet. Yeah, Disney World, that doesn't surprise me. That's coming. Two two reasons. One, probably never closed because it's Florida. And I'm not surprised they're being spit on because it's Floridians. Yeah, well, it's, I don't know how many people from Florida go to Disney World. Florida, I, I think probably quite a few. Yeah, but I, I bet you it's 50-50 maybe and i bet you it's the floridians who are spitting on all the workers i mean florida is has some of the most conservative people in the country uh you know ron DeSantis is one of the most conservative governors i mean it's just truly america's garbage can yeah i i i just i don't, I don't understand that although i know sometimes it's supposed to be the happiest place on earth but you can come to your your wits end relatively quickly with some you've got screaming children and whatnot <laughs> If they don't think it's the happiest place on earth, then the last thing you want is some 18-year-old come up to you and say, excuse me, you need to put a mask on your kid. <laughs> now, spitting is too far, but degrading comments, I'm not surprised. Yeah. You know, um, actually, I do have one bit of good news, and it's kind of mixed. There is a very... Are you, sorry, were you finished with that story? Yep. Okay. So this is going back. I have a bit of good news that I just remembered. There is a very prominent NDP MLA in alberta whose name is janice Irwin. okay she has made quite a name for herself she's a first term mla but she's kind of made quite a name for herself because she's i don't know she has a similar influence on the youth as you might see from like aoc in the u.s like obviously she's not as national a figure but she's very popular among young people and can has a very finds it easy to connect with young people how old is she i feel like i went to school with someone named janice Irwin. she's quite young herself i think she's i think she's she's in her 30s okay i didn't she's 36 yeah anyway and then she made uh she also made quite a name for herself because she's the only openly lgbtq mla in the alberta legislature currently right and she and she's a big advocate for that she calls herself an ml gay anyway her office was graffitied with some uh, it said like antifa antifa liar and and some other mean things so that's the bad news part but then it was washed off and the next day a bunch of her constituents and and people from across edmonton came by and like covered her office and notes of support and love and and uh all these great things which i thought was a a lovely expression of support Uh, yeah it's nice so it's great when things like that happen yeah
all over the world. Following up from from the story you first brought up, the Myanmar and how that gym class is going, it's it's still yeah. going. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't know about the gym class, but Friday, uh, security forces in Myanmar, as of Friday, security forces in Myanmar had killed more than fifty people and over a thousand either detained or unaccounted for. The country had its deadliest day of protest last Wednesday, with at least 38 people killed by security forces. But they're still they're still protesting. They're showing up every day to to protest the the coup. So uh, we'll see what happens. It's it's getting to be kind of ugly over there. But yeah, it's, the it's, UN it, really needs to get involved. Yeah, tough to get involved. I mean, you can. I think they're better. You know, maybe sanctions. I mean, maybe you have to go in and try to. But what? How do you do that? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's its own state. Yeah, but you can very easily you can say this this government's illegitimate and then step in. Yeah, that's tough to do. I mean, it's not like it's they've never done it before, but it's also tough to, for the UN to do something like that because China and Russia and US all have vetoes. Yeah, but it's not exactly like the US would support it under Biden, and then China and Russia. I don't think they care. Like, it's not like it's a communist regime that's overthrown this democratically elected government, you know? Yeah, they probably don't care. They just aren't on the best of terms with the states right now. So they just don't want to do what they want to do. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they just didn't vote on it, but I doubt they'd veto it. I don't know. Well, maybe they'll just not vote, if, if it even comes to that. Anyway, over to you. You got some all over the world? Yeah, I got one. Um... Italian prosecutors have charged a man whose name I'm about to butcher, but it is Darius Begui? I don't know. And roughly two dozen other rescuers from three ships with abetting illegal immigration and in some cases collaborating with human smugglers, which seems to be a trumped up charge because this man, uh, Darius, he's the captain of a ship called the Leventa, and it has rescued thousands of people in the Mediterranean Sea who were fleeing um, sort of like Middle Eastern turmoil from like Libya and, and camps and stuff like that. Um, rescued thousands of people who were on the verge of drowning, starving, because, you know, they come over in rafts. It's not like they're on luxury cruises, right? Yeah. And he brings them to shore. He's saying he looks forward to defending himself in court against the charges uh, and that he isn't afraid to go to prison. Quote, saying, quote, European prison is like a luxury hotel when you compare it with the Libyan camps where the people uh, flee from who we rescue at sea. He is facing up to 20 years in prison. And uh, this really does just seem like a good Samaritan. And, uh, you know, the Italian government, and and it's quite popular in Italy, is very anti-immigrant and and anti-migrant and Islamophobic. So I think they're just trying to stop people, good people, from from saving these people from drowning. I mean, listen, look, if you don't want to bring in refugees or illegal immigrants, I I disagree with that position strongly, but it is your right as a sovereign government to turn them away and send them back to the country they came from. But stopping private citizens from rescuing people from drowning is just cruel. Yeah, and and the other thing is once he brings them to shore they're they, they can send them back like exactly that's what i'm saying yeah. once they're there send them back if you don't want them that's your prerogative i think that's the wrong thing to do on very many levels but that is your prerogative 
Yeah, but, but don't try to but like, trying to put a guy no in jail that's just pulling drown. pulling people out of the water that are drowning. Yeah, that's just cruel. I mean, unless the thing is, it's also it's a private citizen, so it's at no cost to you. It's not like your Coast Guard is going out and spending public dollars rescuing. Not that that should be a problem either, but still. Yeah, I don't understand the charge there. Yeah, it's it's and it seems like like aiding human smugglers, like it really seems like they are just trumping up charges for the sake of yeah illegal immigration illegal immigration i kind of if if you want to go down that road i can understand that charge but uh, aiding human smugglers that's supposed to be a human trafficking violation where you're like taking people into the sex slave industry or something not saving them from drowning and bringing them ashore yeah really i feel like that's uh, a misuse of that law i agree so i hope i hope he doesn't get charged uh, or sorry, I hope he doesn't get found guilty, but uh, we'll see. And I heard those those uh, prisons in Italy, you know, they ju- they serve the cheapest wine, so he might regret. Yeah. The there's new travel restrictions in effect it started on February 22nd. When you come to Canada from an international destination, you have to stay in a hotel for up to three days at a cost of up to $2,000. And that feels to me like someone is taking advantage. What do you mean? I mean, three days, $2,000? That's, se- that's $700 a night. Up to $2,000. That's $700 a night. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, it seems pricey. But also, don't travel internationally right now. Yeah. I don't care. You want to come over here from a... like. No, I, if you want to come care. over from an international country because of whatever reason, there's lots of reasons that someone might need to, and you're willing to do the two-week quarantine or whatever, great. But I don't think they should be charging you $700 a night unless they're putting you up at a $700 a night hotel, which I don't think they are. Yeah, well, yeah. I. It feels like somebody is taking advantage of COVID. Yes. I, I struggle to care, though, because I just don't think anyone should be coming internationally. Yeah, but there's, you know, sometimes you have to. You don't want to, but you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe I they, maybe they can maybe they can separate people that are traveling for leisure and people that are traveling for business or something. But yeah, either way, just like, like you shouldn't a, be able to triple choice? your you shouldn't be able to triple your hotel n- nightly free for these people that are staying for COVID that are forced to stay. Agreed, agreed. It it I I I don't know how it works. I must I I guess my assumption is that. If they're doing seven hundred dollars a night, they're staying at a seven hundred dollar a night hotel, and that's what they're choosing. Like, I, know, I don't do think you get that to choose the hotel, or no, is the government don't. like, here's where you're staying. Yes, the government's like, here's where you're staying. Okay, well, if it's a government decision, the government should pay for it. No, the government doesn't pay for it. Okay, then it's wrong. Well, you should just. I don't even. I don't have a problem with the government decision. If they put you in a super eight, then you should be paying sixty bucks a night. If they put you in a, in a whatever, like the Chateau. Uh, Laurier there, then you can pay 150 bucks a night, but nobody needs to be paying 700 a night, is all I'm saying. There's no $700 yeah, okay. a night hotels in Ottawa. Okay, I agree There's with you. There's very few in Toronto. <laughs> I agree with you. 
All right, well, that's short and sweet then. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> approval of the Johnson & Johnson one-and-done vaccine. The, the article I was reading said, could change Canada's vaccination game. Went on to say, Canada's set to purchase up to 38 million doses of the single-dose vaccine that got approved on Friday. Okay, 38 million. Do we need 38 million? We've already done a bunch of people with the other one. We have a bunch. But anyway, great, 38 million. 10 million with an option to buy 28 million more. And they should be here by the end of September. End of September? We should be done by then. We should be getting yeah. these. Why are we even getting doses at the end of September? If yeah. there, there shouldn't be anybody left to dose by the end of September. Yeah. The U.S. is dosing a Canada a day. Yeah. So it's, we should be able to do three million. If they can do 30 million a day, we should be able to do three million a day. Yeah. There's no excuse yeah. for any less. Yeah, you're right. And by September, we we should be done in ten days. Well, what, I mean, however long it takes for vaccinate, like we're done in a month. We should be done in a month or two. We should be done yeah. as soon as the twenty, as soon as the thirty-eighth million vaccine is here. Two weeks later, we're done. This is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why we need to order things for September. Yeah, seems unnecessary. I want the Johnson and Johnson, but I want it before September. Can you get it here a little <laughs> faster, please? I want the one and done because. Uh, it's a pain in the ass going back. It's probably, I want the one and probably done a pain in the arm. I want the one and done because I'm deathly afraid of needles. Yeah, Mum and Mad were talking about that. They don't like the needles either. But I was told them, I don't know if I, I had allergies when I was a kid. And back when I was young, they used to do these shots if you had allergies. And, yeah. and it started off, you went like every day for, uh, no, a week. And then you went every week for a couple months. And then you went every month for a year or something. And every and it's like a needle every time you got and just, you know so I'd had so many needles when I was younger they don't bug me anymore, but I my allergies went away so it worked but I don't have no idea what I was shot up with. <laughs> I had to go for a blood test in, in January. Yeah, and one of my roommates had to go with me because I couldn't make myself go by myself. <laughs> I was too I was too nervous. I couldn't make myself walk out the door. Well, a blood test isn't a needle. That's two different things. Needle, they're putting something in, and it's quick, and it's a tiny thing. Blood test, they're taking it out, and it's not the same. Anything. Anything going into my arm. Needles aren't a big deal. Needles aren't aren't too bad. But I I, I don't care. I give blood, too, but I've had a couple bad experiences giving blood, but... Nope, nothing. Nothing. If there's a sharp thing going into my arm, in my veins, muscles, whatever... I'm not. There Maybe for you it. should just do the shot in the butt. <laughs> you can. You, <laughs> yeah, we were talking about when when you were just uh, like three or four or whatever, like or two maybe I don't know. And you were on a trip with Uncle Mike and Auntie Shell, and and you had to go to the bathroom, so you went in with Uncle Mike and you did your business. And he said you just sort of reached over and grabbed your ankles, and he's like, "What's going on?" He goes, "You have to wipe my bum." <laughs> <laughs> so you could just do that if you need a shot. Just yeah, grab yeah. your ankles and just right there. It does, <laughs> I don't think it hurts as much as your arm. And moving on. Bernie tried to pass a $15 national minimum wage, but it it kind of got defeated in the Senate. It kind of got defeated by someone called the Parliamentarian, which totally sounds like a character from Star Trek or something. <laughs> but Or Star Trek or Star Wars or something. But yeah. Very bizarre. And apparently you don't have to do what the parliamentarian tells you to do. Yeah. 
Um, the Republicans just fired the parliamentarian when they said something that they didn't like. Yeah, it's complicated. I don't fully understand it. I know a Senate parliamentarian was a thing until this happened. I know that seven Democratic senators joined the Republicans in voting down the $15 minimum wage. Some of them, such as Arizona Senator Kristen Sinema, support increasing the minimum wage $15. I don't remember exactly why off the top of my head. I was just reading about it this morning. But for some reason, she didn't think it should be part of the covid relief or she didn't think this was the time or something i know one senator from new hampshire said that she also supports it once covid's over but she doesn't want to do it right now because this amendment raised the tipped minimum wage and she said the restaurant industry is already struggling and they've already lost so many restaurants that she didn't want to raise the tip minimum wage right now until restaurants had recovered feels like if you didn't vote for it then then you're probably not supporting it yeah, I don't know. It's just excu- like, those are just excuses. Maybe, although Kristen Cinema has advocated for a fifteen dollars minimum wage before. Then there are people like Chris Coons and Joe Manchin who just flat out, you know, John Tester who just flat out they come from red states. You know, they're Democrats. They come from red states. They're like, fuck that. Oh, that was a swear. That was a big swear too for the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, they just, you know, they don't want to. They just don't support it. They think it's a bad idea. Because um, apparently they think a wage that was decided 20 years ago still works today. Yeah. Well, hopefully they hopefully Bernie gets it through somehow. He said he's not done fighting yet. I mean, yeah. And the Democrats like campaigned on $15 minimum wage and they made some big promises about it. And a $15 minimum wage is quite popular in the U.S. at low polls, put it at 53 percent popularity. So I think they kind of need to do it at some point. And um, yeah, fifteen bucks isn't too bad. I mean, it's what isn't too bad? Fifteen dollars isn't. It's not too much of a burden for the companies, is what I'm saying. It's not. It's not. No, awful. it's not. It's not at all. Well, not and, definitely not for big companies like Amazon, and McDonald's, and that. But for small companies, it can be tough. But fifteen is not ridiculous. No, uh, it's the minimum wage in Alberta. It's the minimum wage in BC. 14 is the minimum wage in Ontario, you know, like they handle it. Yeah. But I, I think they will get it done. It might have to wait a while until it's no longer a 50 50 Senate. Yeah, um, but it might go the other well, way. Yes. No, then they might be. But then the thing is, if that happens, then they just get to blame the Republicans for it not happening, you know? Yeah, but they're not good um, at that. No, they aren't. But they could. But, you know, if they pick up and, and it's a good year. Well, it's not a good year, but it's not a bad 2022 could go either way. It really could. Because just the way the seats are lined up, the Democrats start off with an advantage. Then they have the disadvantage of being the incumbent president. So, you know, it really could go either way. It, it, I think a lot depends on who the Republicans decide to run. But anyway, if the Democrats manage to pick up two, three seats, which is not out of the realm of like uh, plausible possibility, then maybe they can get it done. But we'll see. All right, I'm I'm done. All right, I got a few actually. Um, Ontario is giving $25 million to the arts sector to give it, quote, a fighting chance. There's not often that I agree with what Doug Ford's doing, but I'm happy about this. However, I'm not as happy as I could be because it does feel a little too late when after one of Ontario's biggest theater companies had to close down due to big and surprising cuts to funding that happened before the pandemic. 
Yeah, well, maybe he's just uh, found him his his artsy side over this. Yeah, that seems likely. <laughs> I don't know. I, so, yeah, I think I, I think that people. I think that the government back in the back when back in the eighties, I guess when when China started taking over and and they were they're heavy on the maths and sciences and stuff, and then both both Canada and the U.S. refocused their schooling to to more reflect what they're doing ever since then the arts has been sort of put in the back burner and i think it's a mistake i think it's an important part of the education especially for children yeah and absolutely i, I just think it's a it's a good outlet it 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 uses music uses both sides of the brain it's not many things do uh, it encourages critical and creative thinking yeah there's there's so many advantages that it's just it's i i just I don't get the cuts to that necessarily. Yeah. Anyway, taking taking the arts can help you in the hard sciences. Yeah, for sure. The and and the smart, the, you know, like super smart people that are very good, like my uncle, like Uncle John, right? Super smart yeah. in science and and math, and a brilliant piano player because it it music is math. Yeah, it is. It fully is. Yeah. Um, moving on, I could spend a long time talking about this, but we better not. Uh, moving on, there's a growing list of conservative MPs, uh, most recently an MP named David Sweet, calling for easing of lockdown restrictions. It's not the official Conservative Party policy, Aaron O'Toole isn't calling for it, but a lot of people under him are. David Sweet had said that the restrictions are causing, quote, deep psychological and economic damage. And that the government should focus on, quote, vulnerable communities, not healthy individuals. It's worth noting that he took part in non-essential travel earlier this year and is not seeking re-election. I don't think he understands that the actions of one person affect the uh, health outcomes for others. He's not wrong about psychological and economic damage. I think there is psychological damage being done and economic damage. Not everybody's very good at staying home for this long. And, you know, especially kids that are used to being very active, especially kids that need that activity to burn off all the energy. It's, it's, it's a, it is an issue, but, you know, you can, to some extent you can treat psychological damage. Death is a lot less treatable. Yes. And also we wouldn't be here in harsh lockdowns in certain areas of the country today if provincial conservative governments hadn't started easing restrictions so early and then having to put them back on i mean i don't know that they did it early i I think i was reading something it was a it was a year ago last week where we did 15 days to flatten the curve and then never really came out of lockdown (laughs) yeah yeah i i I think they tried it's it I I understand the balance it is a delicate balance you have to I I understand what they're trying to do I don't know that they did it well I don't know that anybody did it well but you can't just if you shut down the economy for too long it won't restart you know it's like a car the battery will be dead and it'll cost you a lot you'll have to put a, a, a huge stimulus together or something to get it somehow going again so you have to try you have to try to keep it going but yeah you know it's a very contagious disease 
the problem a, a lot of the problem is they didn't I mean I mean a lot of the problem they could have even if they're better at this vaccine rollout now that we have it you know we've had it for how long and 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 are all is all our vulnerable sectors vaccined yet like that's ridiculous yeah, yeah. you say the like you can't keep the economy uh, shut down for too long or it won't restart and you say that and I do not hear a bad thing I the economy is such a horrible terrible system like it's so poorly crappily built like it shuts down constantly over the stupidest things or like crashes you know there's there's depression every couple of decades like just because that's the way it's built i would have loved if it shut down we couldn't restart it and we it just gave us the opportunity to tear it to pieces and build something better yeah that's not how it works though that's not how it works because we've decided that's not how it works. That is absolutely how it could work. Mm, not really. Everybody's so intertwined in a global economy, and and certain countries didn't even shut down. Uh, it's it just because we let it be that way. Well, I mean, yeah. Ultimately, that's power. yeah. But you're right, and that that means voting for people like you know the Green Party, and it, it's not going to happen by voting for the Liberals or the Conservatives or even the NDP. No. Right. So so I mean, we're nowhere close to doing that. Nowhere, nowhere even close. But I feel like if the economy crashed and shut down, it would spur people into a little bit more radical action. Mm. No, they just try to. They just spend money to get it going again. Mm-hmm. They would. They would do like the the stimulus checks that they did after the housing market collapse. Yeah. Actually, I don't have this written down, but I saw, and I don't remember the details. But you just reminded me, and I meant to make a note of it. I saw an article the other day that was written by. A man who sought the Liberal Party nomination in his riding in Toronto, I think, to be the candidate in the next federal election. Yeah. And he ended up withdrawing his candidacy because he felt, he's black, which is important to the story. He felt that as a black man, you know, he said he always felt supported and drawn towards the Liberal Party due to their rhetoric on the campaign trail and everything like that. But then once he was inside of it, once he was campaigning, he felt that the actual party machine would suppress him, was suppressing him and actively working against him because they felt, because to his mind, they seemed to feel that a black man would be less likely to win the riding. And this isn't the second, this isn't what happened. There was a, um, or this isn't like an isolated incident. There was a black MP, Selena something um who resigned from the liberal party and she was elected for the first time in 2015 and she resigned from the liberal party and didn't seek re-election in 2019 because she felt that the trudeau government trudeau himself like sort of treated her as like a a, a token mp uh, but but other than that was not given equal treatment as other mps and was not taken seriously uh, as a black woman and she said that Trudeau is just a lot of tokenism and showism, but there's no actual real action. And he, she ex- described some quite violent exchanges where he would yell at her and berate her. And so there's, there's just this, I think, growing realization amongst people of color that uh, the Liberal Party doesn't support them. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't because they do that. No. Uh, they do that about every policy, right? They're they're brilliant at at talking about one side of their mouth and then acting another way. Yeah, absolutely. That's how they run their party. 
Which is funny because, well, it's not funny. I mean, there is a difference between the liberals and the conservative, but much less than I think they like to paint themselves as. And that's kind of exactly how, that's how the liberals do national campaigns. That's how leadership candidates do internal campaigns in the conservative party. Right. And I was reading another article today by the National Post, a conservative outlet, that was saying that Aaron O'Toole is causing a lot of internal party strife. And apparently a lot of insiders are saying that they haven't seen this much internal strife since the days when Stockwell Day ran the Reform Party. And because there's, you know, Aaron O'Toole ran as the true blue conservative, appealed to social conservatives, and then now he is trying to strike the moderate, more centrist, kind of Peter McKay-esque tone to attract Canadian voters, and he's pissing off his social conservative base. Yeah. Which... I mean, we said was going to happen, is now happening. The the thing is, and he's probably right, you can piss off your base. They're probably still going to vote for you, because what are the options? Maybe. And that's I, I probably think, what he's counting on. Probably. I just think that, you know, the Conservative Party united because the Liberals were just always winning. And I think the Conservative Party, as it is, will still be able to win occasional elections. But I still think the Liberals will win way more because, you know, and, and it'll be majorities and it'll be minorities. Like, you know, this was like their current minority. But the Conservatives have a serious electability issue. Yeah, you you really need. And so do the Liberals if, if you had a really dynamic, uh, like, NDP leader that could legitimately call the liberals to task on what they said they were going to do and what they did and then have a good plan for the NDP about and 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 I think that maybe it does need to move a little right of where they are but have a good plan for what they're going to do you know I think election reform was huge people want yeah. election reform and as soon as he got into power it's like, uh, no, we can't do it. So, yeah. you know, if you if you campaigned and and you had a really, really, truly, like, someone like Jack Layton, but, you know, uh, he's dead, so it can't be him. But yeah. someone similar, and he was a little older, I think he could go a little bit younger than him, and yeah. and really, like, someone, or, or someone like Bernie, who who's older but but has like just is just such a good speaker and, and so smart yeah uh, someone like that somebody like that needs to run here and lead the NDP and then they have it then they would have a shot but you need to be able to legitimately hold the like point out on a case by case basis what the liberals said and what they did yeah and then and then have a legitimate plan that Canadians will believe to back yourself up yeah. And, and you can take Maybe. them down easily. I, I don't. Yeah. I think they're easy to take down. The path, the path to victory for the NDP is through the Liberals. They need to do two things. You know, right now the NDP is polling very poorly in Quebec, but the reality is, it has been ten years, only been ten years, since their huge sweep of Quebec in 2011, which seems like a long time. But all those people who vote NDP, there's most of them are still alive. It's like two elections. So, I mean, it's ten yeah. years, but it's just two elections. Yeah, exactly. So there is people right there who are saying, you know, they're probably going to vote block or liberal, but who aren't necessarily opposed to voting NDP. No. So you need to bring them back, and then you need to convince the people in Toronto. 
because the liberals have an iron grasp on Toronto. And that is just such a plethora of seats. But it, I mean, in reality, the liberals do very little for anybody. So you're right. If they can just convince those Toronto people, like show them all the things that the liberals said they're going to do, just don't take them down. You take Toronto. They're doing fine pretty much everywhere else. You know, they get a, they get quite a few seats in BC. They, you know, they get at least, I mean, they only have one right now, but they have the potential to pick up up to five in Alberta, a few in Saskatchewan. They get a few in Manitoba. You know, they normally have at least one in the north. Yeah. Um, no, they'd know, probably be minority, but they could, they could, they could be in charge. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's possible. They but just never with leader. it's not going to happen with Jasmine Singh. I, you know, I just, I just don't think he, he's, it just doesn't have it in him. He's just not that. You need to have someone special as a lead. And yeah. I'm sure he's a fine politician, but he's not super dynamic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, I, I think uh, you're better off having uh, Heather, Heather McKenzie, the girl, Heather McPherson, McPherson. Uh, she would. Yeah. I think she is dynamic, and she is a good speaker, and I think she has a shot. Like she might have a shot. She does connect with you. Yeah, you know what I mean. That they need that sort of person as the leader. And an NDP leader from Western Canada. Yeah, yeah. It's it's they do, and they seem to get one every couple of decades. You know, Ed Broadbent and Jack Layton. Yeah, but we'll see. But it's tough. But the ones in between because, really suck. <laughs> yeah. But it's tough because the conservative formula for victory is slight liberal unpopularity with a strong NDP. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like if if the NDP had been strong in 2019, Andrew Scheer would be prime minister right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So there is a fine fine line there. Yeah, you need to be very good. You can't be a little good. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, moving on. This is the story where I said it could lump in with the things everybody knows. Right. Trudeau has said that China made up its charges um, that they used against the two Michaels to detain them in retaliation for the detention <laughs> of Meng Wanzhou. Really? Huh. Shocking. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. He said it out loud, yes. eh? Well, how brave. <laughs> yes, what a brave prime minister we have. Like two years later. Yeah, he's he's on the edge. Oh he's putting himself out there. Yeah, that's what I put. I, I have dash dash no duh. Yeah. Obviously. Thanks, Justin. We yeah. needed to hear that. Thanks, from JT. You. Yeah, whatever. Here's a thing where, you know, you know, the liberals like to portray themselves, as we were just talking about, as like sort of like a compassionate, progressive government. Advocates are urging the liberal government to reverse its decision to phase out funding over the next four years for the two biggest organizations in Canada that support people with disabilities related to reading printed text. Uh, advocates say that doing this during a pandemic when many people rely on entertainment such as books to feel less isolated and to do it so surprisingly is an extra punch in the gut. So these two organizations, they do things like turn printed text into braille or maybe some sort of audiobook or make it somehow possible for people with disabilities related to reading printed text to engage in novels and those types of stories. They are the only two big organizations in Canada that do it. They are publicly funded, and the Liberals of the next four years are completely cancelling their funding and expect the private sector to fill the gap. Mm, yeah, I, I don't I don't know that the private sector is going to fill that gap. No, and, and, and already, you know, I was talking about it with my roommate, and she said, 
well, you know, this time they have a lot of things like, you know, audiobooks are very popular and, and it is available in the private sector. And I'm like, yes, but there's not a ton. There's some, there's not a ton. And also, there's you know, a ton of audiobooks. Would, yes, yes. But like, if I don't know, for some reason, an audiobook doesn't work for you, you know? But also, people with disabilities, especially, you know, disabilities that impact literacy, tend to have a lower income. And that makes that kind of thing less accessible to them. Whereas, you know, a government-funded program, you're, you're probably getting, if you're paying for it at all, you're probably not paying that much. Yeah, maybe they maybe they need to make sure it's hitting the right population. And, and to do that, maybe you can scale back a little bit after, you know what I mean? So that not, like, I don't need to be getting free audiobooks. And I don't. Yeah. But can I for the next yeah. year? <laughs> It just, it seems like, I mean, maybe there's an argument to be made for canceling it, but it seems extra cruel to kind of just do it with no consultation, no warning, like they just announce it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know how much that can possibly cost either. Like, I think it, doesn't, it was like, doesn't, I think it was like $12 million a yeah, year. Yeah, that, like that feels like, that's next to nothing when you look at the budget. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It, 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 it doesn't... Uh, I don't know enough about it, but it, it doesn't feel like it's a lot of money and it's not. And, and, and it is people that maybe are dependent on it, especially right now. Yeah. And so maybe, maybe there's thought... a way to just make sure you're targeting people that have their income affected by their disability and you can make sure that they are taken care of. Yeah. And then it might it only feels... cost you $6 million. Yeah. It just feels mean. Like, yeah. It just does. Moving on. <laughs> I put, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Cuomo's in trouble, as you mentioned earlier. You better be more specific. Andrew, <laughs> right? Andrew Cuomo, yes, yeah. yes. Governor of New York. Three women have accused him of sexual harassment. He has apologized, saying that he now understands that his comments, quote, made people uncomfortable, but says he won't resign. And this is not the biggest issue, but... It's worth noting that all these incidents happened after Weinstein, which was like I would argue the first big one. Are you not paying attention? Yeah, what? What? I don't. What? Do you know what he said? I didn't. I haven't been following. Uh, I. I did. I. I don't know off the top of my head. I have read some things, and they were quite inappropriate. He asked, like, I know one time he asked like a female staffer about her sex life, and was like, "Would you ever consider being with an older man?" And uh, and, and like. Like, just don't do that. Yeah, it's inappropriate. Um, Especially, was, uh, you just got to be careful if you're their boss, too. Like, Yeah. If you're, if you're in a position of power over someone, and he is in a position of power over everyone. Everyone in New York, yeah. Then you really can't joke about, you know, there's certain topics you just can't joke about. Unless, yeah. unless there, you, you can go to a bar and do it. You know, it's poor yeah. taste or whatever, but if you want to, maybe not. I mean, you know, you're trying to pick somebody up at a bar or whatever, or the supermarket or whatever, you know, but somebody that reports to you, you can't do it. Yeah. You can't do it. Yeah. There was a little bit, I think, of unwanted touching and one time of, uh, there was like an actual kiss. I think that was at a wedding he officiated. That one wasn't a staffer, but he just like kissed some random woman at a wedding he officiated. Like on the cheek? No, no. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Anyway. I was talking to um, one of my professors is from New York 
and uh, he was, I was talking about he was talking about how much he wanted to get vaccinated, and I knew America was going well, and I said, oh, just pop on down to New York and get one of their vaccines, and he said New York is actually one of the worst states for rollout, and I said, uh, oh, I guess Cuomo's got his hands busy, and he said, yeah, that's his problem. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's. I mean, it's it's amazing how it went from like New York was awful, and then it did better again, and then it's then then the COVID started coming back in again, and then this done on top of that, and yeah, it's just yeah. I don't know. Maybe he got too famous because of the COVID thing. He thought he could do whatever. Yeah, if the Democratic establishment, um, like the DNC, is smart. They will. They will get somebody. They will keep him from running again. And if he tries to run again, they will get somebody to primary him and try to get that candidate through. Oh, for sure. I mean, Al Franken got taken down for less than this, probably. Yeah, yeah, definitely was less than this. And he's and that he was, was I said. That's what I said because it was. It was actually this professor I was talking to you that brought up. It was after Weinstein was he's not paying attention. And I said, and if he didn't realize that Weinstein, he should have realized that Al Franken, who was an incredibly popular progressive senator who got taken down for much less. That is the one, in my opinion, where the Democratic politicians especially should have watched that and said, oh, I need to be careful. Yeah, I also don't know that he deserved to be completely wiped out like that. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know the details. Yeah, Al Franken. I agree. I, again, I agree with I don't know. That is one where I'm not entirely sure. Cuomo, I think, from what I've read, needs to be taken down. Yeah. Yeah, well, again, I haven't read too much about it, but I just know that it's a, it's not, it's not looking good for him right now. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. You know, a lot of these things start with "I'm not resigning," and then you know, three weeks later, I'm resigning. Yeah. So we'll see. Oh, another thing is, um, what's his brother's name? The CNN host, Mister Chris Cuomo. Yeah, I think he got in a little bit of heat because he came out and he started his one of his shows after these allegations first came out, and he said, "I want to begin." with being straight with you all. I obviously know against the allegations against my brother, but he's my brother and I don't I can't cover them. Like I can't. Yeah, and I it's like I'm not going to defend him, but I'm I can't cover the stories. Yeah, I get that. I get that too. And he got in some heat because people were like, "Well, you were so quick to talk about all the positive stories." And like, yeah. That's because he's my brother. You don't. <laughs> yeah. Like, listen, yes, you're a journalist. And, and, you know, you have to maintain your integrity. And that's probably why he's not defending him, you know? He's just removing himself from the situation. He's like, listen, I can't be unbiased here. And this is family. And he's close. Like, I just, I understand. I get it. You just can't. And it's easy to report the positive stories. Like yeah, there's no, you don't, ha it doesn't, it doesn't call on you to like, everybody's just saying the same thing. It doesn't call on you to, to go against your family or your, your integrity. It's just, whereas the negative ones, you need to make a call. So it's, I mean, that yeah doesn't, it's not quite the I, same. I really think that was the right move. Yeah, I think so. Or, so. or, or he need to either, either do that or go hard on it, go hard against his brother, like take the full hard line. Yeah. You can't, you can't come out soft that. on it. So. No. And if you can't do that, then he did the right thing. Yeah. This story I thought was wild. So South Carolina, and this is honestly such the most South Carolina story I've ever heard. Hmm. 
South Carolina inmates on death row, they have the option to choose between the electric chair and lethal injection. Right. Everybody right now is choosing lethal injection because South Carolina is out of the injection. And the article didn't say why, but for some reason, they're not, they can't buy more. So everyone chooses lethal injection and then they just stay on death row because they're not getting executed. So South Carolina, the Senate just passed a measure, hasn't passed the House yet, so it's not law, but they just passed a measure that says that if the if the state is out of lethal injection, then the options change to either electric chair, but if you don't want electric chair, you can pick a firing squad. Holy cow. That's a tough choice now. Lethal injection is just you sort of fall asleep and then you, die, you just die in your sleep. Not all the time. There's a John Oliver episode on this of where it can go horribly wrong and it does way more than you might think. It does, yeah, that's true, but most of the time. Yes. And, but yeah, the other two options seem pretty violent. Yeah, and the wild thing is this is already the law in Utah, Oklahoma, and Mississippi, which if you were to tell me, hey, guess what four states allow you to be executed by firing squad without hesitating? I'd say Utah, Oklahoma, Mississippi, and South Carolina. <laughs> like, yeah, that's just that's, that's wild. Like, who's who's executed? First of all, it's kind of executing? like it is an ejection. I mean, it's an injection of lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, first of all, the death penalty is just so cruel and unusual, and the fact that there are any first world countries that do it or democratic countries that do it are absurd. But then also to move it to the firing squad that feels like dragging your state like a hundred years back yeah anyway i just i that blew me away how could they be out of the drug i don't understand everybody's busy making covid vaccines i guess yeah i guess you should just like overdose of some sort of what is a like a like opioid overdose or something should be the other choice something and we already talked about this, but I'll just mention, you know, Texas governor lifting the mandate and many of the restrictions uh, effective March 10th. Uh, COVID has killed 42,000 Texans, and it looks like it's going to kill more. They are they're doing a pretty good job with the rollout, so maybe people get vaccinated before it gets too far. Yeah, we'll see. No thanks to the governor or either senator or anything like that. No. Um, <laughs> Canada's premiers are asking Justin Trudeau for an unconditional increase in federal health funding, which I think is rich coming from conservative premiers like Doug Ford, Brian Pallister, and Jason Kenney, who cut healthcare funding as like one of the first things they did. Yeah, what, why? Because of COVID? Is this why? They just say they need more. And also rich from people like Jason Kenney, especially, who are like lambast Justin Trudeau every chance they get and then it's going over like, hey, give me money unconditionally. Maybe they need, I mean, maybe they do need more. I don't know. But but there's got to be, obviously, there has to be some sort of conditions. Yeah, there's got to be something. Like, honestly, especially when, oh, your health care is underfunded. Because, Jason, it wasn't three years ago when Rachel Notley was in charge. It only became underfunded after you cut all the health care funding. And now you want me to make up the difference? Screw you. You just spent $1.2 billion on a pipeline that was a huge risk. I'm not giving you money unconditionally. You clearly don't know how to spend it. Yeah. No, that's just it. It's unconditional. And why did you cut there? Obviously, like, it needs to be conditional on on looking at the rest of your budget. Like, why would you cut healthcare? 
Yeah, and now you want me to make up the difference. Every Canadian, literally, to make up the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. In principle, I believe healthcare should be a federal issue. So I'm fine with federal money going towards it. But it's just like the fact that it's it's people like I said, Brian Pallister, Doug Ford, Scott Moe, and Jason Kenney asking for it unconditionally. I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah, I wonder if there's some sort of hybrid system you could do where it's 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 a federal issue. federally funded and you have a federal canadian health card that lets you get health care anywhere in the country but but the individual provinces kind of manage it i'm sure there's a way you can do that and then you just split the cost 50 50 or whatever like whatever it works out to yeah or depending on how many people are through or whatever like it just feels like it feels like my health card should say canada not ontario yeah yeah anyway there's huge problems there. Anyway, Canada's chief uh, sort of like negotiator with the U.S. when it comes to issues on trade has said that Canada is seeking an exemption in the green energy sector when it comes to Biden's Buy American plan. Um, I thought we were seeking exemptions that, everywhere. Well, that's what he said. He's come and he said, listen, blanket exemptions is just not going to be politically possible for Biden in the U.S. It's not going to happen. So we've decided to focus on specific areas where we think we can work best with the Biden administration and where we think they're most willing. And I think this is a great call. I think this is the energy, you know, the area to focus on. Yeah, and they can start paying more for their water. It's not American. It's not American. Yeah. They're buying our, they're taking our waters. Oh, well, it's not American. So pick up your rigs, get out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that irks me. Um, Anyway. they'll, they'll, They'll not buy American where it's convenient for them. Very don't, true. You don't get it that way. I mean, we have bargaining power here. Use it. Do we though? Listen, I mean, I'm absolutely. Sure I'm I'm sure it would be fine with Biden, but you get someone else like Trump in, and we start saying no too much. They're just gonna walk in. They're just gonna come take it. <laughs> no, they can't do that. Russia would protect us. Yeah, that's that's the protection we want <laughs> from Russia. Maybe, and then they'll come and they'll inject us all with their Sputnik vaccine. I want to be vac- vaccinated by then already. Um, there's big debacles in the House of Commons because um, the liberals have come out and they said, you know, there's criticism of the liberals saying the liberals aren't doing enough during the pandemic. So the liberals have said that the conservatives in this majority parliament are being obstructionist, blocking their legislative agenda by forcing hours of debate on small issues. For example, they forced three hours of debate uh, two weeks ago on a three-month-old three-sentence report from one of the committee offices, one of the watchdog offices, I can't remember which, the conservatives forced three hours debate on a three-sentence report that was three months old. The conservatives had defend themselves saying that the liberal house managers are not communicating well with the other parties, they're not being clear, and um, they're just mismanaging the sort of way the commons works. The block has weighed in and said that, the, yes, the liberals are mismanaging things, but the conservatives are also being obstructionists. <laughs> the NDP then chimed in and said that both parties are just trying to make the other one look bad to trigger an election during a pandemic, which nobody needs. And then Elizabeth May came in and said, yeah, the conservatives are being obstructionists. The liberals are right. It's entirely the conservatives' fault. So everybody said peace. <laughs> and everybody said it's somebody else's fault. Oh, it's... If if the conservatives are learning anything from the Senate and the states, it's it's how to 
win, win, win friends and influence people. Like it's, you know, this is, this is their tactic stall, make, you know, at every fight at every corner, no more bipartisan bills on anything, even if it's something that you'd agreed for, uh, you know, with your previous administration, even if it's something you tried to pass last time you were in power fight at every single step it's I and mean, then and the, then when it comes time for elections then you can say they didn't do anything yeah and that's that's what they do in the south the conservatives are nowhere near as bad as the republicans but well they just the started they just started it takes a while to get there you can't you can't be mitch mcconnell overnight yeah true but like they are on the way you see it especially with you know i think the front of the party like your aaron o'toole's and whatever they main they try to maintain like a moderate look, but you see some of the backbenchers that they're electing, and the fact that this is the there's the people the party's nominating in their ridings. There's some scary people there, and they will one day be in charge of the party. Mm, that reminds me, there was um, Mitch McConnell. Now that I said it, I forgot to write this down. I meant to, but Mitch McConnell said he would back Trump's running in 2024. I think he said he'd back it if he was the nominee. Okay, but either way, like that's that's crazy to me. After you come out and say in no uncertain terms that he caused the riot, a week later you're going to say, "Yeah, but I'd still support him if he ran and he's the nominee." Listen, the Republicans could run a pineapple against Joe Biden in the next election, and Mitch McConnell would support the pineapple. It like, just it just it felt like he was he was starting to separate from Trump with the wording and, and how he came out against the yeah what he said about the the riots and that I thought maybe there was going to be some separation there but not so and much. i guess i guess now's the time to bring up cpac it happened a bunch of stupid people got together and said stupid racist things and but one thing that was said was trump is not starting a new political party true and i think somebody i think he probably wanted to but somebody told him that you can't because it would split the part split the vote in half and the democrats would win every time because he he like that's how he said it he's like oh yeah it'd be good for them if we did that and then we had two parties and it split the vote and they always win so we aren't gonna do it it's like somebody just told him that like he didn't it's not something he thought of on his own for sure before he walked on stage yeah (laughs) it's like i just heard this guys did you know about this did you know this but yeah, it's, I mean, I didn't watch any of it. I read some of it. I can't, I can't watch that many far right politicians talk at once. It's painful. I watched, uh, I just saw clips here and there and, and Ted Cruz is an idiot. I mean, I yeah. don't think I learned anything new. No. 53% Ted of, Cruz made uh, a joke about his, uh, about his Cancun trip. He's, I, he came out onto the stage to do his, his speech or whatever he said, Orlando, I love Orlando. It's so nice in Orlando. Not as nice as Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> but what balls. Yeah, really. Like, it just happened. His state still, like, just got power back on for most of the state. And he's he's joking about leaving them in the lurch. Yeah, he's like, ha, ha, ha. And um, then, yeah, so many of them talked about Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head and... And Dr. Seuss. It was the it was the main focus of the conference. Because they know about the issues that matter to Americans. Yeah. 
I don't I don't necessarily understand the Mr. I didn't know about the Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head thing. I don't know what's going on there. <sighs> the brand is being changed from the Mr. Potato Head brand to the Potato Head brand. You can go out and buy a Mr. Potato Head. You can go out and buy a Mrs. Potato Head. I think you'll be able to go out and buy a Potato Head. But the brand is no longer Mr. Potato Head. It's just Potato Head. Ah, uh, so? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so? <laughs> anyway, yeah. I think the other important things was Trump came out of that. 53% of the polled attendees uh, said that Trump should run again. Second place was Ron DeSantis with 46%, governor of Florida. We'll see. Uh, Seth, uh, I watched Seth Meyers on this, and he goes, 53% in that crowd? He is in trouble. Yeah, really. Uh, it, it's interesting, though, um, because Trump has also... I saw an article, and I tried to find it, but I couldn't refind really it, but Trump has sent a cease and desist order to a lot of Republican campaigns saying don't use my name and imagery anymore wow weird i guess he just wants to be paid for it probably he's he's really got to pinch pennies now that he's uh on a pension yeah anyway whatever oh also the conservative convention's coming up and um that is supposed to be a big test of Aaron O'Toole's leadership to see uh you know how his base reacts to the things he says and also you know, if the policies he supports get voted on to add to the platform. Anyway, we'll talk about that after it happens. Lastly, I have the Alberta health minister has come out and said they believe that they will have offered every single adult in Alberta their first shot by June 30th, if everything goes according to plan. And this is how this is what I hear. We're lagging in second in the polls right now. So we're going to give you this bit of good news with a caveat. So when it doesn't happen, we can blame someone else. Sounds like it. That's what I hear. What's Tyler Shandro? Tyler Shandro is the Alberta health minister. Oh, okay. So that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know a lot of my friends got excited at that news and they think it's going to happen. And I, I, I hate to be there ever had bad news. I'm like, guys, it's not. It's not going to happen. Like. Yeah. It's they, not going to happen. No. It's not going to go off without a hitch. Well, maybe. I mean, has. I mean, maybe. It would be nice. You can, you can always hope. It's like if all our vaccines arrive on time, that's probably not going to happen. Like they're cutting back all the fucking time. No, oh, they're going up now. Yeah, for now. We'll see. But it's just a if nice the, way to the, be able to blame somebody else. If the factories if are up and running now. Oh, absolutely. Like that's it won't be. It's not our fault. It's not my fault. Yeah. It's like, what's that? It's Han Solo, right? It's not my fault. Yeah. closer to fine you want to have at her sure and i think this might be the most important story that we talk about today i think it could be it's, it's come to be known as buttergate now it all started when food blogger julie van rosendahl posted on her social media making a kind of passive offhand comment that she noticed that her butter was harder at room temperature than it used to be. Turns out this went viral, as thousands of other Canadians had noticed the same thing, myself included. Did you really? I did. I hadn't, I hadn't seen this woman. I didn't know this was going viral until I saw this story, and then I realized, but yeah, 
I had noted a long time ago that the butter was a lot harder than it used to be and harder to spread. And I just chopped it up to winter. I was like, it's not that cold in our kitchen, but I don't know. I guess it's just cold enough. Right. But turns out Canadian dairy farmers have started feeding palm oil to cows. Is that like castor oil? The butter produced harder. Now, palm oil is safe to be fed to cows, and it is a practice in other parts of the world, but it's only recently done in Canada. But palm oil is horrible for the environment. Horrible. It is the production and huge demand of palm oil is um, one of the biggest reasons the Amazon's being destroyed. It's one of the biggest reasons the orangutan are going extinct, and the emissions produced from it are astronomical. One what of the is worst it? things. Pa- going like on oil from palm leaves? Palm trees, yeah. Palm trees? A lot of trees and stuff, yeah. Um, so there's been a pushback and the dairy producers of Canada, like one of their big panels, uh, or big organizations is creating panels and studies to study the issue and decide whether or not to keep putting palm oil into the cows and make the butter hard. Is it cheap? Um, it must be, it must be the cheapest thing to feed them or they wouldn't have changed. No, I think... I think it's I think it's a faster way to because I read something like a lot of cows were culled before COVID to meet a rising beef demand. But then COVID happened and then there was a rising butter and dairy demand and they didn't have enough cows. So they needed to get more out of the cows and palm oil helped them do that. Oh, so it is like castor oil. Helps things sure, flow. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway. If you've noticed your butter is harder, as I have, and been quite annoyed by it. It's always cold in our kitchen. And just, that's why. I don't think I can't, our butter is it's, it's not that much harder. It's always been pretty hard in our kitchen. It's always <laughs> cold. You know what temperature we keep the house in the winter. Yeah. In the summer, mind you, the AC is blasting. Anyway, well, that's what I have. Buttergate. That's a good story. Thank you. I, uh... You know, it's funny, the the last thing, your mother's in, she's in bed, she went to sleep because she works tomorrow morning, but the last thing she said to me was, remember, I like the short episodes. <laughs> this is not one of them. Nope. <laughs> well, I was uh, recently in Saskatoon, and the last time I was there, I was in room 620 at the in the hotel. And they, they changed my room this time to five 514. Now, the first problem is, I went to 620 for the first week. Like I just kept going, and I'm sure whoever was in 620 is like some strangers have gone to get my room. <laughs> then, a, then for a couple days, I graduated. I stopped going to 620. I started going to 614. So that was better. Yeah, because it's a, but still, you know, somebody's panicking when I try to get in the room. <laughs> but then I finally, finally remembered to go to five five fourteen. Now the room itself you were only there for 13 days. Like yeah, but the time before days? that, I was there for like 30 days. So I was in 620 yeah, for 30 days. No, it was well, like I mean, it was like, like three days of six. It was probably a total of a week. It was probably three days of 620, three days of 614, and then I remembered after that. Most the of the way time. You're describing it, the way you're describing it, I thought maybe the last three days of your trip you got it right. No. But no, the room itself, 514, it was nowhere near as nice a room. Like it just was a bit smaller. I didn't like the layout as much, but it did have one thing. And I think somebody at some point must have popped the water saver out of the of the shower head. So 
it was it was like it was 1987 again and having a shower where you're you know it's like standing in front of a fire hose there was serious water pressure when you were in that shower <laughs> and it, i know it's bad for the environment and it uses a lot more water than necessary but i did not tell them until i checked out <laughs> <laughs> i i enjoyed the whole the whole thing and the other thing was i i rented a car while i'm there i switched I, on my last trip, I switched from from taking Ubers everywhere to renting cars for a couple reasons. One, it, it's just more freedom for me as far as going to the grocery store and whatever. So it's much easier. And second, well, three things I guess. Second, second two are kind of related, but COVID. You know, you're you're not in a stranger's car every day, and I can have an extra sort of fifteen minutes without a mask on when I'm in a car by myself. Yeah. So all that together makes me rent the cars now and, and I can get it so that it costs basically as much as two Ubers a day. So the last time I went up to, I rented a car from Enterprise and I, I went up to the counter and the guy said to me, oh, you're here to pick up? Yep. Yep. Gave him my name. And he goes, okay, uh, well, we have a Sonata or a Charger. Which one would you like? And I said, <laughs> I said, does anybody answer that question Sonata? And he just kind of looked at me, he goes, well, the charger does have auto start. I'm like, yes, I want the charger. So I just drove a charger for uh, no three weeks, and it was pretty awesome. I gotta say, it's a nice car. <laughs> it has a lot of get up and go. Yeah. And I just spent the last. This is this is Sunday, March seventh, and I just spent. We were supposed to do the podcast earlier in the day, mm-hmm. but we bought a new toilet for the spare room, or not like for your bathroom. Oh, nice! Yeah, like it's 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 taller, and it has like an elongated bowl. That's so, fantastic! Yes, it's if an, you guys move on the planned schedule, I'll never get to use it. Oh, well, you can just come home and have a seat for once or something. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, it's a very it's it's a nice toilet, but as like most things in this house, it was built at a time where uh, it just wasn't the way I expected it to be when I took it out and it took a long time to change the toilet. So, but it's done now (laughs) it's done. It's in, I don't think it's leaking. So that's good. And now the end is near. So here's what I did. I deleted the parting thoughts from this week. I don't know how I did it. I went into the deleted files, saw it there, hit recover, did not come back. It just disappeared. I don't know where it recovered to. It's gone. So I'm just going to recap what you would have heard had I not done that. Dylan spoke about being in the glass menagerie, how they had to do it three times for no one because there was no one coming to the theaters. And it annoyed him. I said maybe it was for the director, but as it turns out, once the play's up, the director has very little to do with it, so it wasn't for the director. He also was talking about his washer and dryer breaking down and the litany of things that had broken down at his house. And the washer and dryer is the latest. The, the kids noticed there was some denting on it, and they said, are these used dryers? And they said, yes. So they took a bunch of pictures of the damage and sent it to the landlady. The landlady said, these are brand new washers and dryers. You're going to pay for that damage. And they said, no, they aren't brand new. They're used. And, uh, 
you know, that's so crazy landlady there. I spoke briefly about um, the yield signs in Saskatoon, and I thought it was smart using yield signs. Most people in Ontario use, make stop signs yield signs anyway. Dylan commented, like mom, and I said, no, not like your mother. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's a great idea. Well, I have a stop sign other than to give people tickets. You can yield at most streets especially not busy streets and then and then go you don't need to come to a complete stop it made a lot of sense to me and also talked about canada's hockey dad walter gretzky passing away uh the week before this happened so you know our condolences to the gretzky family and and that was pretty much all you missed only it was a little longer and, and to be honest probably funnier sorry about that thanks for listening we'll talk at you next week 